When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the fourth Saturday of June. It's June 26th, the year 2021. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Millicent Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm Church, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. To our regular members, our new listeners, and guests, thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. We pray that something that is said or done today will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way even when we don't see it. The serving team for today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, our music minister, Minister Lydia Torgano, myself, called to worship. Elder Carolyn Cunningham is our worship leader for the invocation. Sister Loretta Marley, altar prayer, Elder Carolyn Cunningham, invitation to giving. The Reverend uh, Millicent Black for the preached word today. The Greta Ayers, invitation to discipleship. Myself, Minister Lydia Torrigano for the announcements and um, Pastor Millicent Black for the remarks and benediction. Thank you for your attention. After an opening song, Elder Carolyn will lead us through the rest of the worship service. Also, a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, if you're like me today, you may not feel like you've got much power, but I want you to look at yourself, if not in a mirror, then look at yourself in your heart, put your hands on yourself and say, I'm a vessel full of power. I'm a treasure of the Lord, for that's exactly what we are. And you know what? God doesn't ask us to feel like it. He just wants us to believe it. He wants us to receive it as the word that he's giving to us today. I can wager that there's a pot, we could find a pot, a, a jar, a, 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 a vessel anywhere in the world. Some, some of them are thrown around the, uh, over to the side of the road. Some have been crushed down and, and just left out for the rain to, to soak and wash. Some vessels have been 
scarred and battered. And you know what? They're still waiting for somebody to come and pick them up and use them. Just like us. We're waiting for God to come and pick us up and use us for his glory. Say that again to yourself. I'm a vessel full of power. You don't have to even feel like it. But I declare if you'll say it over and over, you're going to begin to feel the power of the almighty God coming into you. And you can ball your fist up at the enemy and say it. I'm a vessel full of power. I'm a treasure of the Lord. And so when they come to keep us up at night and to attack us in those parts that we don't even want to talk about, and when they hinder my, my, my ability to walk, I'm still a vessel. I'm still full of power. Because whatever man does to the outside of me, he can't touch the God on the inside of me. And so all afternoon, y'all, I've been feeling like one of those vessels, one of those pots, one of those cups has been thrown over to the side of the road, waiting for somebody to come and pick me up. And after the song, guess what? The spirit of God came. And he reminded me that you're a vessel. You're full of power. That's something my mother's been telling me, y'all, for the last 18 years. You're full of power. And I haven't felt it. Some days it's like, okay. And other days the enemy's laughing, wanting to know where is that power that God promised you. I receive it today by faith. I'm a vessel full of power. I'm a treasure of the Lord. Good afternoon, y'all. I pray that you're feeling something right now because God is real. <laughs> Sister Loretta, thank you for taking us to the throne of grace. And I think you must have thrown me on the father's lap. And he put his arms around me and made me feel like a treasure of the Lord. I give honor to God and to Jesus, my Savior, and to the Holy Spirit, my teacher and my intercessor. Thanks be to God for another opportunity to share with you on this Saturday evening. I also thank you for your presence here. Much appreciation goes to the ministry team for all you do to make these services an honor to our God and for any way you assist in carrying out the task of servanthood. We all across the United States, from California to Maryland and Connecticut, from North Carolina to Washington State, Delaware to Georgia, Ohio, Texas and Middle Tennessee, and you would not know that we are working together by God's grace through a conference call because God allows us to carry out these services flawless if it were not for the enemy. And so this day, our scripture is coming from two places. Um, I'm tempted to read all of it from the first place, though I'm going to focus on Two of the just two of the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verses seven through nine. On the first Sunday in July, 2001, though I had already been licensed and ordained under another ministry, I preached the first sermon at the Baptist church that I was at that point attending. And this would have been it, though the words have all totally changed. It's not the exact same uh, message and it's not the same exact title. It's the same exact scripture. I'm gonna read from verses one through nine and then I'll come back and focus on seven through nine and then we'll go to the next location. But it reads, therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation, we do not get discouraged, spiritless, or despondent with fear, or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. We have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God. But we state the truth openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. But even if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the Messiah, who is the image and likeness of God. For what we practice is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your servants, slaves for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifested in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. And the second part of this message is, or at least an associate aiding scripture is coming from 
the book of Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you. We thank you, O oh God, for the day that you decided that you would make man in your image. We thank you, Father, for the day that we became a part of your plan to fill the world with yourself. Now, God, we present ourselves to you as vessels. Empty, oh God, for your feeling. Waiting, oh God, for your presence and your power for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So for a thought this afternoon, we're going to focus a little while on treasure in a vessel God can use. Treasure in a vessel God can use. Do you know what it's like to hunt for a treasure? Throughout history, both in reality and in watching movies as a child and as an adult, we have seen people in search of treasures buried in various places, in the golden egg, in the cave, in the castle, or the haunted house. We are watched in great anticipation on the perils and successes of those who dared to embark upon the hunt for a treasure. When I think of an earthen vessel, I think of clay pots. My research, much to my surprise, described them as China. We all have some, especially we ladies have China in our, usually in our, in our cabinets, right? In our China cabinets, rarely on the table. We have porcelain or pottery shaped in the form of cups, goblets, jugs, bottles, and bowls. Another image of a clay pot can be found in God's instruction to Jeremiah in chapters 18 and 19, when God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house to witness the making of a vessel of clay. God described the will, but he did not necessarily tell Jeremiah of the many ways that that vessel could be used. What God did say to Jeremiah is if the vessel got marred while it was being molded, any flaws could be corrected by the hand that were on the vessel. Now, if you've seen pottery being shaped and molded, um, then you would know what it what happens. You know, it starts out as this wet lump of dirt, right? 
and it's, it's put on a, on a wheel that is spinning and you're supposed to keep your hands wet and take both your hands and hold them on this lump and begin to shape it and mold it into what you have in your mind that it should look like. And sometimes just as you've gotten it about the shape that you wanted and about the size that you've imagined, something may go wrong. You may look up and down goes your, your masterpiece and you'll have to pick it up and mold it together again and wad it up. Those of us who were children and we all were, right? I played in dirt with water and mud. Did you all ever play in, in, in mud? Did you all ever take any of that mud and shape it and mold it and try and make it something without the potter's wheel now? But if you were on the potter's wheel with that same lump of clay that was being shaped and molded and something happened to it, all the potter would do is ball it up again and put it back on the wheel and begin to shape and mold again. Well, we'll talk about that more a little later. <clears throat> However, it's important to know that it was the power of the potter and what the potter put in the vessel that made the difference. While spinning, the potter might have put in some love, some joy and peace. He carefully grabbed some patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of that was molded in the vessel. Whatever the vessel was when it left the potter's wheel was strictly because of the power that was in the hand of the potter. Materials other than clay might be used depending on the intended use of the vessel. It could be silver, gold was used in the vessels for the temple, copper and bronze, stone are all used in the creation of vessels for various use. And we all remember the alabaster box, the value of that oil that was inside. The scripture for today finds Paul talking to the Corinthians about four things. One, the ministry of the word that leads to salvation through Jesus Christ. Two, the truth kept hidden from the blinded minds of unbelievers. I'm going to remind you all, hypnosis blinds the mind. So they would not see the light of the gospel. The gospel being the good news that the Messiah had come. The third thing is the treasure hidden in jars of clay. Believers in Christ are jars of clay. And the fourth thing, the opposition to the vessel being a light in a dark world, which obviously is the God of this age and his minions. We're going to focus on the last two verse, uh, two parts of what this chapter is talking about today. Verse uh, numbers three and four, the treasure hidden in the jars of clay and the opposition to the vessel being a light in a dark world. Paul speaks to us about ministry of the good news. It seems that being an earthen vessel who becomes a disciple makes you a candidate to carry 
the good news. Just believing in Jesus Christ. Paul described some characteristics of those who have given their lives to Christ and have become vessels, carriers of the word of the Lord. According to the first few verses in this pericope, well, in, sec, in Second Corinthians chapter four, we do not lose heart. You're here today and I'm so thankful for you. Each one of you, I praise God for you. We pray for you often that you do not lose heart, that you don't give up on God. Don't walk out. Don't throw up your hands. Don't throw in the towel. Keep going. The next thing is we have renounced the shameful things. That is, we don't, we don't cluster together and gossip and we don't stand on the side and wait on our sister or our brother to stumble and fall. And if they fall, we surely rush to help them up. Then we refuse to practice deceit or to falsify God's word. And our determination is to speak the truth in love. Sometimes it hurts, but we must speak the truth. Now, these attributes are symbols of a life that's been transformed after salvation came to their house. Because what happens after we accept the offer to become children of God is we go on the wheel again. So the vessel still on the wheel and the potter was still smoothing out the cracks in us after we accept Jesus Christ. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming and Zacchaeus was hated of all men. But Jesus said to Zacchaeus, that little short man who climbed up in the tree to get a sight of Jesus the Christ, on his way to becoming the Christ, I'm going to your house today. In verses seven through nine, though, it's described for us the opposition to freedom that comes with the illumination and the illuminating power of the spirit of the Lord that comes to live in the vessel of clay that is released to do the work of the Lord after we accept Jesus as our Lord and our savior. And it reads, then Paul said, we are not preaching ourselves, but Jesus Christ. He explained that we're just servants who are asking you, the Gentiles and the Jews to come and follow Jesus. But God outsmarted Satan, the devil, and focused on getting rid of one vessel, that devil who focused on getting rid of one, one vessel, as he planned and plotted and schemed to get rid of Moses and then to get rid of Jesus. God showed him that we are all his vessels and he could put his power, God could put his power into any one of us. So that old enemy could just stop looking for the Moses, the next Moses or the next Jesus, because we're all out there shining our light for God. Vessels 
fit for the master's use only after he's put the treasure in us. And so he declared, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be found to be of God and not of man. The power is not the vessel. The power is what is placed in the vessel by the potter. Now let's look at what the potter might put into a vessel and what he has put into us. The first thing is his word. That's the scripture. As we sit and read the word of the living God, as we listen to it being played, as we listen and look at the television where the preached word is being preached, you know, the Paul says that it's the foolishness of preaching that brings men to repentance. He said, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can he preach except they, he be sent? But it's the word that brings men to salvation. We can declare like Jesus, it is written. It is written. And whatever God has written, the word says he's watching over it to perform it. Then there's prayer. God says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not of. Things that are fenced in, things you can't seem to get at, goals you can't seem to reach. Does this sound familiar to any of you? We all know about those glass ceilings and hidden like the snares, the traps, and sometimes it might be a way of escape that we're looking for. But God said, if you'll just pray, I've got all of that for you. Things that the naked eye or the natural mind cannot distinguish, recognize, or have knowledge of. If you'll just pray, God says, I've got all of that for you. And understand, sometimes we just can't understand the word of the living God. But God said, pray, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find, not and the door shall be opened unto you. Have you ever read a scripture three years ago and saw some truth then you read it again two years ago and you saw even more truth than you did the first time and then you read that scripture and the whole room just seemed to light up with revelation? God kept bringing you to that scripture. It's almost like him spinning the vessel on the potter's wheel. And every time he reached into the basin to get some water to throw it on the, on the vessel, he was putting more revelation on. And that's the way he's been doing us. Whenever we run to the river, run to the well for that drink of living water, God was pouring more revelation in. Then when we continue on that wheel of spinning and God shaping and molding, he'll put in a little praise. Praise was put in the vessel because the psalmist says God inhabits our praise. And so he wanted to make sure that we knew how to reach him. We can reach his heart by our praise. David speaks in Psalm 8 how God uses even the praises of babes and children to confuse the enemy. Jehoshaphat was told to send the praises out front and the ites 
the Gergesites and the Mennonites and all those other ites. And y'all, I don't believe a Mennonite was in it, but you know what I mean. They turned on each other and left the spoil for Israel to come and collect. And then in the vessel that God can use, he will put some worship. Worship is placed in the earthen vessel. According to John 4, 24, reminds us that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. First Chronicles 16, 29 tells us to worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. We had some of that earlier this afternoon. As we thought about and heard that young man so beautifully pull us in to the presence of the Lord by reminding us that I'm a vessel full of power, and it was put there by the hand of God. All this was placed in you and me that we might be the vessel that God can use for his kingdom and for his glory. The opposition of the vessel of God is to keep the light in you from the dark world. You know, we can't have the spirit in us without having light, right? The word tells us that the spirit of God is the candle of the Lord. And so wherever the candle of the Lord is burning, there's light. John tells us that the, the darkness cannot comprehend the light when it comes from Jesus Christ. Paul describes the life of a believer, especially a minister of God, by saying we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed, under pressure, but not flattened. I heard how oil is pressed out of an olive. I've shared this before, and it's still just such a precious story. If you could get the, the vision of, of an olive being plucked from the tree and, and, and plopped on the press, much like the the, that, that ball of clay is plopped on the potter's wheel. The olive is beaten, is pressed for the light that, is, that it is able to produce when it's in its purish form. Even if it's just one drop of oil that comes out of that olive, it's gonna burn forever. We are perplexed, but not in despair, at a loss, but not lost. We're at a L-O-S-S. Sometimes we can't think of the words to say or even the words to pray, but we have not been lost from God's sight. Jesus made the promise in Matthew 28, 28, I am with you always even until the end of the age. Boy, God sent me a special word one time and he said, I'm there, I'm watching you. Even if you don't sense my presence, if you can't feel my presence, I'm still there. I'm still there, I'm still there. I didn't know y'all, this word came to me back in 1986 and I had no idea what was coming at me, but God did. And I didn't realize that during those days and weeks and months and what seemed like years when it felt like God had thrown me away and he wasn't listening to my prayers, that he didn't recognize my voice, but I kept holding on to those words. Whether you can feel my presence, whether you can sense my presence or not, 
I'm still there. So I encourage you all today. My brother out in California who feels so alone and so forlorn, the word to the Lord is from the Lord is saying, if you sense my presence or not, I'm still there. I'm still there. And what he said to me was, and I will catch you at the very last minute, just before you hit the ground. Because I want you to trust me and know that I have sent you, says the Lord. We're never without hope. My hope is built, says the songwriter, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest train, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And we all know the chorus of that great hymn of the church on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That old enemy is even now at work. But God is still pulling on that treasure that he's put on the inside of me. And he's pulling on that treasure that he's put on the inside of you. I saw a little sign one time and it was a a little kid on there and he was saying, I guess somebody had messed him up. Some bully had been talking to him and laughing at him. And he said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. Horrible English, but God doesn't make any junk. There's nothing in any of us that God would throw away because he's still shaping us and molding us for his use. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Persecuted also means harassed, to be hunted down, However, Paul declared, if God be for me, who can be against me? If God be for you, who can be against you? Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate the vessel from the love of God, from the hand of God, or from the assignment of God on your life. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Now this word means to throw down, to strike with force, as in throwing an opponent down in wrestling or striking someone with a weapon as we are often. Yet Paul tells us in all these things, That sounds crazy. When they take our money from the bank and mess up our vehicles, when they keep us from sleeping and mess with our medications, when they won't make us think they're gonna cut off our legs, stop our circulation, give us a heart attack, take our loved ones and make them put their affections in other places. When we're down to our last, our last dime, our last word, our last prayer. When we're down, y'all, Paul says, even in all these things, 
We're more than conquerors. Guess what? Through the potter who loves us enough to put a treasure in us so that he will always be with us. You know, one of the things about God allowing Babylon to destroy the temple in Jerusalem, it says that they took the best things back to Jerusalem, even the best vessels from the temple. And the funny part about it was God told Jeremiah, he says, I'm going in with you. I'm going to see to it that when you go in, you come out. And God went in in his vessels, both those from the temple and those who became the temple after Jesus Christ. In the book of 1 Samuel, Eli's sons went to war without God's permission. They took with them the Ark of the Covenant. You all know that the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence. And in the Ark were some specific things that were to remind Israel of God's power. And while at war, the Philistines took the ark, killed the sons of Eli, and Eli died the same day. But because of the power in the ark, the vessel that held the presence of the Lord or the representation of the presence of the Lord, the Philistines were glad to let that ark go back to where God intended for it to be. Now, each of us waiting for God to make the Philistines ready and happy to leave us alone. And I believe those days are coming. So if all this power is inside the vessel that we are, pat on yourself, pat yourself in the chest. I'm a vessel full of power. And it's the power of the Lord. How do we get it out? We get it out the same way we build a body. We exercise. Push until something happens. Read until something happens. Pray until something happens. Praise until something happens. Worship God until something happens. How does all that has been said affect you? You might say I'm a believer and I'm being, being a believer makes you more of a threat to the devil than the unbeliever. Now, I didn't say that in this proper pronunciation. I'm going to say it again. You might say, I'm a believer. But being a believer only makes you more of a threat to the devil than the unbeliever. And that makes you a target to put out the light in you. You're a vessel full of power. Becoming a believer makes you a vessel full of power because it's, you're full of the power of the Lord. Now, the enemy doesn't want us to know that. He don't want us to ever be able to harness the power of the Lord. But I would dare to tell you that if we, I'm not leaving me out. I wouldn't dare say if you, if we would push until something happens, read the word of God until something happens. If we would find ourselves praying until something happened and praising and worshiping God until something happens. We could get up every morning, pat ourselves on the chest. 
not not in 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 pride but in humility look yourself in the mirror and say i'm a vessel full of power of the presence of the lord hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you.